We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome back to episode 15 of the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is the Looking Back on Tornadoes in May edition. I'm your host, Randy Luna. And I'm Corey Taylor. And we're going to talk quite a bit about uh, some tornadoes this month that's happened way back for many years. Well, it's a busy, busy month, busy week, busy few weeks for uh, tornadoes. This is the busy tornado time of year, so we really got to... Remember the uh, tornadoes of the past and, and always remember that they could happen at any time, not only May, but this is a busy time, so we really got to keep our heads up. Right, and we need to really focus on the, the big story, which was the tornadoes on May 3rd just last week. We had some spin-ups, didn't we? <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Uh, they were they were, they were were exciting. We had some uh, right there near uh, Ozark. I guess he got hungry for some throwed rolls up there by Lambert's because that's where the tornado went. Oh, yeah. It's a, I was looking right there. An EF1. Uh, let me see. It says the EF1 struck near Ozark. Peak winds up to 95 miles an hour. It touched down just east of Lambert's and was on the ground for more than a mile. That's what I would call a high-end spin-up tornado. That's a pretty good-sized uh, tornado with some pretty good winds. An EF1's pretty much a uh, a larger front-line gustnado you know. Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago we had a, a weather school or something on the on spin-ups, or yep. we talked about it or whatever. And yeah, they're usually just EF zeros or EF ones, small ones. They're just they're they're just brief. Um, I mean, there were actually three that dropped uh, last week. I mean, there was a EF zero which struck three miles southwest of Rogersville. Uh, peak winds were eighty miles an hour. It was on the ground for about a quarter mile, and it was fifty yards wide. 50 yards wide. Yeah. Now and the, the Ozark was 100 miles, 100 miles wide. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's an EF-20 right there. <laughs> there. 100 feet. About, about as wide as a football field was the Ozark on the ground for an hour. An hour. A mile. It's not a good day for you, is it, Gordon? <laughs> I got up early today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, no, it's, a, it's, it's on the ground for about a mile. I did not see uh, how wide that was. I didn't find that. 100 yards. It was 100 yards yep. wide. And a third one, believe that or not, was uh, an EF-1. It was briefly on the ground just north of Squires in south-central Missouri. So that's, that's just crazy. And what amazed me is earlier that day and even the day before, the Storm Prediction Center and the National Weather Service was all saying that the bulk of that activity was going to remain uh, western Missouri, northwestern Arkansas, Oklahoma, and then by the time it would get to Missouri, because of the, quote, timing of it, which was at night, instability was going to go down. They said that the threat of tornadoes was going to be a lot lower. And that just turned around and was just the opposite. And it's not the first time that's happened either. It seems to to me, I remember some times when it's crossed into Missouri and actually gotten a little stronger when it was supposed to not get as strong. 
because well that earlier that day in Oklahoma I was watching uh, some Tulsa weather uh, stations and they were showing some tornadoes down south. Uh, Oklahoma City was showing some tornadoes down south. And then they kind of died out, just severe thunderstorm warnings for the rest of the evening. Mm -hmm. And right about time for bed, they started shooting tornado warnings again. I thought, hmm, this is interesting. And then I uh, went to bed, and my weather radio woke me up for a tornado warning in Christian County. I thought, what in the world? So I looked, and sure enough. And uh, you could you could see a, a distinct spin-up on radar on yeah. the velocities. It was, it was small, but very distinct. You could definitely tell why they issued a tornado warning. So I'm glad they did, and nobody got hurt. Yeah, and it's really important to say, too, that these these type of tornadoes are not the same type that are uh, developed out of severe thunderstorms because the severe thunderstorms and those giant tornadoes, EF4, the Joplin one, you know, the big ones that cause destruction, are usually from a what we call a single cell or a, a solitary supercell, and that's where you got this really huge, strong updraft and... Uh, the twist is able to just widen out and be its own little energy pocket. And we know they're coming because you can see them on radar. So you, you they have a, a distinct uh, radar signature, so you really know what to look for. So more people know to take cover. These small spin-ups happen so fast that yeah. it could happen before the weather service even sees it. Yeah, and those the technical name for those are you ready? Quasi-linear convective system metavortices, mesovortices, or tornadoes, uh, QLCS, and QLCS basically is a line. And what's happened is uh, this all this mega activity cools and it congeals into a big long line. And what happens is that line starts moving. The cold air up at the top of the of the line starts falling. It propels the surface winds forward faster so that's where you get the the long line of severe thunderstorms and every now and then you'll get a little twist in that thing and uh like i said it's just a, a small little thing and i call them frontliners um mm -hmm. but the technical name is qlcs there's different names for them people call them <clears throat> yeah one thing i noticed that night was the uh, weather service uh for springfield for the western portions of their area and also Tulsa were issuing tornado warnings, I believe based on possible rotation, but more straight line wind damage. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. Because there were several bow echoes that night that, and several, uh, 75, 80 mile an hour wind reports that night in Oklahoma. Yeah. Was it, wasn't that MD or the, 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 one of the tornado watches they, they issued said possible straight line winds to 95 miles an hour or something like that. They actually use the words hurricane force in that thing. in the tornado watch. And that's that was, insane. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's what happens when you got these strong dynamics going on. So that, that was one of the classic situations where you get that classic uh, spring storm system with the, the the warm front that's why it got so warm and then you got the dry line and you got the cold front and cold front overtaking the dry line and you know just everything breaks loose and then we had a rare occurrence after our storms went through we had what we call a wake low develop over the area which yeah. caused a very windy they, they issued a wind advisory for for an area high wind warning spring. yeah oh, that's what it was yeah 70 miles an hour wind possible yeah i thought that was pretty cool and not related well what what had happened uh the storms had gone through that night and i woke up about 3 15 and i thought okay this is weird so i just for some reason i was awake at 3 15 which is crazy and i thought okay well so i'm awake i'm just gonna check 
you know, the National Weather Service, see where the storms are, whatever. And I saw this high wind warning. I'm like, what? The wind's not really blowing here. But like you said, that was that meso low uh, behind it, the, the dynamics were so strong as that line moved through, it caused another little spin, uh, not a tornado, but like a low pressure system behind kind of, that. It kind of looked like the eye of a hurricane developing. Yeah. There. So, yeah, and, and those things, uh, we call it mixing. Whenever you have the upper-level winds and they start coming down to the ground, it's mixing down to the ground. And because of the wake of that and the, the centripetal force and the twist, those strong winds came down, and that's what prompted that. It was only like for three hours, like three-something to six o'clock. Yeah, most people were asleep, didn't even know about it. Right. And what, the next day, it was just sun was coming down. It was really nice. <laughs> I did get a little over two inches of rain at my place. I got 2.1, yeah. yeah. So that was nice. I think some places south of Hollister, I think Judy even said she got like, uh, oh, what was it? Three point, no, 2.3 or a little, little bit more. But again, you get these little pockets of rain. It's just going to dump. And you get that front line wind like that. It was crazy. Well, let's hit the big story. Uh, well, we talked about one big story. The other part of the big story is is this first week of May has been very active in tornadoes these past several years. And the big one you and I were talking about before was the the May 4th tornado 15 years ago. 15 years ago. I can't believe it was 15 years ago. I don't feel some, that much older. Uh, yeah, you don't look that much wow. older. So. <laughs> I, I, do, I do, actually. Oh, yeah. But you, you, you were really see my wife. She was chasing that day. She was a youngster. Oh, wow. But you were involved in that, right? Well, we went chasing that day. It was my wife's very first chase. Oh, tell me about it. It was a uh, one of those weeks where we knew it was going to happen all week. Uh, the weather service was, was alerting uh, the media. People were ready for it. Uh, that night, the night before, I actually went to the station. I worked for KSN in Joplin. I was there for, I don't know, 12 years or so. Uh, I went and picked up a news car. I usually, I rarely ever took a news car to chase with, but we were taking photographers. <laughs> well, it's not your car, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I, I would rather have had my car. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the tires on this thing ended oh, up man. scaring us to death. But uh, we were going to take a bunch of photographer equipment, and uh, we actually brought a photographer, uh, Brandon Lawson, with us, who is now a meteorologist since then. Wow, cool. Yeah. So I think that day inspired him a little bit. That was his first chase as well. But uh, he works for uh, Weather Decision Technologies now. Do you know what that is? Oh, I do. That That's the place that makes radar scope. Yes, it is. Yeah, we love so, radar scope. He lives in Norman, Oklahoma now. Went to OU. But uh, they we went to the station. I went and picked up a news car the night before because we knew it was going to happen. Uh, and that's when I found out Steve Reynolds of the National Weather Service. He was the uh, warning coordination uh, meteorologist mm -hmm. there. He called a press conference with not only the media, but the local government officials, law enforcement, civil defense. Yeah, that's kind of rare. But Tons of people yeah. were in this press conference. In this, not press conference, but a conference call. Conference call, yeah. And that was the first time they've ever really done that with the media. It was uh, May 4th, 2003, the morning of. And they pretty much laid it out, what, what they thought was going to happen. And uh, people were a little excited. They didn't know for sure. But what, what really got everybody kind of uh, riled up was the fact that 
since the night before, we were in a high-risk area for severe weather. Which is rare. Very rare. It encompassed southeast Kansas, northeast Oklahoma, and the western half of the Ozarks, I'd say, from Springfield down to Cassville, kind of to the west. Okay. So everybody else would have been in a moderate. So they didn't even have enhanced back then. It was just oh yeah the slight basic categories yeah slight moderate and high but we headed out we got brandon came over to our house it was probably about eight o'clock in the morning because we didn't know exactly when these things were gonna we had a cap over the area that day mm-hmm. so we didn't know where we we're gonna go we had to get our map out we were it was i was one of the first chasers in the day to have live Doppler radar in my car, and that was hard to do in 2003. Oh, I bet. I had my laptop, and I had a special cable that I hooked to my Nokia phone, so I was able to get very slow dial-up radar on my laptop. So I could see the cloud, I could see the uh, echo tops going up early oh, on. Oh, yeah. But uh, I'm rewind a little bit. We went and set in a field talking to the cows for most of that day. <laughs> there was no sun whatsoever. Really? It was as overcast and cool. I didn't feel any energy. We thought it was a bust. 5.30 at night, 5.30 that evening, they started They started erupting, firing, unlike anything I'd ever seen before. Because you would see a tornado coming down over here, and there would be another one in the distance doing damage. Wow. So if you were behind them and you had some kind of an obstruction like we did, we had trees and power lines down. If you had to detour, you could not catch up to these because they were streaming at 55 miles an hour. They were on the move. Wow. So it was very, very hard to catch up with them. So uh, we were in the town of Franklin that day, and that's near Girard, uh, right on the other side of the Missouri border. Mm, mm-hmm. So the F-4 went through there, and as soon as we saw three kids sitting on a foundation of a house with no parents in sight, my wife said, our chase is over. I'm going to go help those kids. So that's what we did. Wow. <laughs> Man. I like to see those kids now. We met them a few years uh, after that, and they remembered it pretty well. But uh, man, they have to be twenty five years old by now. <laughs> Why? Well, fifteen years ago, yeah, yeah. right. So uh, our chase had ended. That Franklin tornado went to the east northeast and got and eventually got the town of Stockton, Missouri. Mm-hmm. There was another one that started in Cherokee County, Kansas. Ended up uh, in Carl Junction, killed an elderly couple in Carl Junction. Uh, went up to Battlefield through Pierce City. Pierce City was pretty much demolished that day. Yeah, that's right. Went up to Battlefield where uh, some lives were lost in Battlefield that day as well. So uh, all in all, they, they placed that high-risk area uh, very wisely that day. And that that's a great example to know that when the Storm Prediction Center does get into this moderate or even a high risk, please pay attention to that. That that's insane. Now that, this what you're saying is just all happened on that day, May fourth. Correct. 
after 5.30. And f- these all f- four of these tornadoes happened within an hour and a half. It was already way out of the area. So by the time we got back to the station, there were there was no severe weather in the area. It was moving so fast. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't work. It was a Sunday, and I worked Monday through Friday, but we had all hands on deck that night. So uh, that's was, insane. Now, where, where were you at, at in Tulsa? No, where were you? Was, at? This was in Joplin. Joplin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and K- Joplin K- got K-S-N-F. spared from that one. Well, Carl Junction is just right yeah. north of Joplin. Oh man, it's basically. They're basically connected, so yeah, it was uh, it was an exciting day for sure. On one day, it, it was yeah. emotionally draining at the end of the day for sure. Though I'd never seen anything like that, just cars along the road, just up in trees and power line hanging from the power lines, and it was unreal. And you have you have video, uh, oh, yeah. video of that. Now that's oh, yeah. on our site. You posted that a few days ago. Yeah, you can go yeah, back yeah. in our videos that we posted with with you and, and I made your a wife. video of the year anniversary. It was a uh, like in two thousand four. We did a our newscast was live from Carl Junction, so we had all the anchors live. I think we did it from the fire station, and that's how we ended our newscast as a little uh, music montage I put together that featured my wife because it was her first chase. So uh, it ended up being a fairly nice piece. So uh, it was nice to end the newscast on that. Yeah, I, I've seen it. That's that's a that that's really cool what you did, and I I think that was very respectful of you guys to end the chase and start helping the people. That's just yeah. a very good humanitarian thing to do. Yeah, I mean, storm chasers need to think about that. I mean, a lot of those people are out there for the you know to get yeah getting the shot, the shot. yeah get the adrenaline and, and and a lot of them try to sell their footage. Uh, it makes me think of what I saw this past week. They took a helicopter shot. Tulsa took a helicopter shot of one of the highways near where there was a tornado warning. Uh-huh. It looked like Branson traffic, bumper to bumper, and every one of them was a storm chaser. Oh, wow. And, I missed that one. I and it's like that. that. And I've, I've chased in Oklahoma before, and it's very, very congested. If there was an F five heading right down that highway, where are they where are they going to go? The, the traffic's already There's no way bad. To go. Yeah, Pe- people who are living in the area are trying to outrun this. Usually, they, they, I mean, yeah, they want to get out. Supposed to, but they do. But these storm chasers, they just completely congest the area. It's unreal and it's very dangerous. And I'm surprised more of these storm chasers haven't died than 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 have in years past. We've had a few lose their lives. In car accidents, plus, mm-hmm. and then we had the El Reno tornado that that killed those three storm chasers. Yeah, it's very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing, but it's also very dangerous even if there's not a tornado around. All that traffic and people driving like a maniac, you know, because everybody's looking at the sky; they're not looking at the road. Exactly, it's 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 extremely dangerous to even be out there. In you know, a tornado warning, but yeah, and I think there's a, I mean, there, there's a, especially a few years ago, there was this big upkick in the amount of storm chasers out there, and a lot of them are the novices. I mean, you know, it really started. It really got a boost when the movie Twister came out. That's what. Okay, that was it. There were storm chasers before that, especially in Oklahoma for the TV stations and whatnot. But after the Twister movie came out. It really, really boosted and and 
hasn't lit up since then. Man. So you want to go chasing again? Oh, I'm always up for a chase. <laughs> I got lots of friends that still do it. I so. haven't been on a on a on a chase chase. I've I I've I've been a spotter. I've been out and watching and spotting, but actually not on the road and just just chasing. Well, it's hard to do around here because there's just so many trees and curves and hills. Mm-hmm. Out there, you can see forever in Oklahoma and Kansas, and that's where you need to be. That's how you get the good pictures of the supercells from way back, you know, with, right. the, with the sun behind them or whatever. Well, know. well, here in the hills, I mean, the tornado could be right, right up on you. And you don't know. That that tornado could show his ugly face right around the corner, and you'd be goner. You'd be a goner. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave it to the pros. I mean, they have some good sites, uh, websites out there now. I, I like Severe Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, the there was one that went belly up. It was like, uh, TVN Tornado something Vortex yes, Network or something. I love that one. I and liked it too. It worked on our phones well. I could yeah. just watch it on their app, and now it just disappeared. Yeah. So I mean, so the best thing if you want to chase storms, you know, I I like to do it virtually. And you know, you you've texted me a lot in storm storm uh, outbreaks and stuff, well, and you, I'm right here on my. Computer. You like to do it virtually until you go out there and do it in real life. Oh, I bet. When that the hair on the back of your neck stands up, oh, and you see a man. tornado dropping. <laughs> it's it's an experience. That's an amazing story for sure. Now, didn't you have some other other uh, May first well, week of May, May tornadoes that coming up uh, in a few days is the tenth anniversary of the May tenth two thousand eight tornado, and that tornado killed seven people in the uh, Pitcher, Oklahoma, and extreme Southwest Missouri area near Racine. It actually oh, touched oh, down. Yeah. It actually touched down near the uh, Quapaw uh, High School. It took out most of Pitcher. Now, mind you, Pitcher is being evacuated. It's a Superfund site in northeast Oklahoma due to mining waste. Mm. So the government was in process of buying everybody out. Now, not everybody had left yet. So it it pretty much was the uh, – not the downfall of the town, but it was the uh, – What's the word I'm looking for? Finished it off. It, it definitely finished it off. <laughs> yeah. It it just uh, took everything out. All the uh, houses were gone. And uh, it did kill six people in Pitcher alone. Now, that was an EF4 in Pitcher. Uh, but you have to imagine, they have what they call chat piles. You know what chat is? It's like gravel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, those are the mine tailings it's it's what was left over from all the mines there's tons of mines in pitcher and the the ground is hollow there from all the mines it could cave in any time that's why the government bought them out right okay can you imagine an ef4 going through those mounds of chat and just blowing them everywhere well an ef4 you got winds of approaching 200 miles an hour i mean you get these little rocks and chat pellets going at 200 miles an hour that would wow kill you alone just the chat just oh yeah, all over your body. Yeah, you think hail yeah. is bad? You, you get these little rocks going at like 150, 200 miles an hour. That's going to destroy a lot of stuff. That tornado ended up going south of Joplin, between Joplin and Seneca. Uh, crossed Highway 43, ended up in Racine, Missouri, and uh, a lot of people remember that one. That one also happened. I want to say that one happened on a Friday, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But it was it was a scary situation. Well, my sister in law was it was probably one of the ones really scared because she lives in Joplin, towards Racine. Mm-hmm. It was just 
a, a matter of blocks from her house. And wow. I, mean, I mean, she's fine, but I mean, I guess if you live in Joplin or Pittsburgh or Pitcher or around that area, you, you know, you can't mess around. You get a tornado warning, you better take cover. And of course, both the more big, more tornadoes, the first F5 that hit the more Bridge Creek area in 1999, that was on May 3rd. Mm-hmm. Then you had, uh, I believe it was the second week of May, and just a few years ago, they had another more tornado. More is a hotbed for tornadoes. Yeah, apparently. But this first two weeks in May, three weeks really in May, you really got to keep your uh, your eye to the sky because you just never know when that's going to happen. You got to be vigilant. We had some severe weather yesterday that just popped up out of nowhere. We had no tornadoes. We yeah. Had, we had some hail in the Joplin area. Oh, yeah, you posted that picture. That yeah. was crazy. I mean, we, we kind of knew the, the Storm Prediction Center did, did put us, uh, the Hall of Southern Missouri, in a marginal risk. Well, marginal means mm, you got some instability there. You might get one that might turn severe, and that's exactly what happened. One cell right there around Joplin. It had a great hail cooler on, on the radar. Oh, yeah. And, and it definitely put some hail down for 10 minutes at, at a time is what, what I heard from the ground. So. And, and if you're ever, a, a, you know, if you, you look at radar... Uh, a, a lot of the Dopplers, the not radar scope, usually when you start getting into the whites and what is it, the high pink colors, I mean, you can pretty much tell that there's hail there. Yeah, and on radar hail. scope, it's 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 a pink and purple and gets mm-hmm. there. And you can just really see that hail core um, really well when they show up there. And we, we, we were watching them bubble up and down, and there was one... Uh, trying to develop around Springfield, and it just kind of, eh, and then it went back down. Then all of a sudden around Branson. Eastern Taney County, we had a lot of lightning. I couldn't yeah. see the lightning from here, but I could definitely tell something was going on over there because the sky was a little dark. Right. So I looked at the radar, and sure enough, there was some lightning on We're the uh, Lightning returns. But uh, it can happen at any time. you got to be careful. People are outside a lot in uh-huh. May, mm-hmm. you know, uh, out, outdoors graduating, like, like in the Joplin tornado of uh, May 22nd. Oh, yeah. Uh, you just got to be careful. Everybody has a smartphone now. Anybody can have a radar in their pocket. You know what I've done in, the, in 1993 to have a radar in my pocket? Wouldn't that be Oh, something? would that be awesome? Yeah, and the, a, lot, a lot of the radars are free. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you don't have to get radar scope. I mean, they all no. basically have the same information from the National Weather Service. It's just presented a little bit differently. Uh, you can get... Watches and warnings on a radar for free on an app. You don't have to get the paid version because the no the average person who's wanting to keep, to uh, take cover from any storms, they're not going to need what radar scope has to offer. Right, they're just needing the basic information. Yeah, and you know you know what else people can do. They can check with Stormdar weather. Well, of course. <laughs> we never sleep. We're always here. Boy, 24/7. isn't that the truth? I mean, I, I was saying these, you know, how much we detested night storms because that's when we need to sleep. And here comes this thing last Thursday. It's like, really, guys? Overnight? Oh, man. So you and I were just up really late. <laughs> and within the past year, uh, even if Randy and I are happen to be asleep, which isn't often that I would sleep during severe weather. Yeah. Those warnings get posted anyway on right. our site. No matter what, they're going to be there because they're automated for our site. Yes. And just know 
that's why I stress to everybody. I mean, if you're new here or if you've lived here or you just don't know, just identify which county you live in. If you're in Springfield, you're in Greene County. If you're in Branson, you're in Taney County. I mean, just Ava, you're in Douglas County. It's just know which county you were in. So if you have a weather, hopefully everybody has a weather radio. If that thing goes off, you can program it to your county. Yep. And that way you will know if you need to take cover or what's going on. I have mine programmed for four counties. Taney, Stone, Christian, and Barry. Right, because everything comes... Oh, Stone. Right, right, right. Yeah, because it's yeah. all coming from there. Because usually I they I can't go south from there because that's a different tower. Oh, right. So I have to keep those four counties. And usually one of those four counties will get a warning before Branson will. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, everything generally, we put generally in air quotes, comes from the west or southwest. I would love to have Carroll County, maybe even Boone County down there, but... Is, it, is Harrison, it, that, Arkansas, that, Boone County? What, yes. Okay. But yeah. since those are, well, Eureka Springs and Carroll County, that's a Tulsa National Weather Service county. Oh, yeah, that's The county district. right next door, Boone County, is a Little Rock County. Right no, north, us, is a Springfield National Weather Service county. So three different offices right here in the same area. <laughs> Within 50 miles from right. each other. So that means different frequencies, so I can't put them all on the same frequency on my weather radio. See? Gotcha. Now, I could get three different. I have two weather radios. I could get another one, and that would solve that problem. Well, then you would never sleep. My wife would kill me. Oh yeah, <laughs> you might as well. She sleep. kills me anyway. <laughs> sleep outside. Yeah. Well, well, the thing that that really happens that um, I think in May uh, we've seen tons of these tornadoes in 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 the first of May, and what's what's happened here recently is we've had this big pattern shift, and you know we've been stuck in the sixties and seventies. Been really pleasant out there and then we said last week this is pattern shift was coming up um we got in a southwest flow and that's going to allow those storms to come up but what the southwest flow does is also open us up to 70s and 80s and that's exactly what's happening yeah so what what we need to really pay attention to now that we've got the heat everybody knows there's three ingredients that have to come together in order to make severe weather and heat is one of them and we've got that right now so when a storm system comes from the west and a warm front moves up from the south is going to pull up the second ingredient which is tons of moisture and that's what uh, it really did feel strange last thursday i i knew it would it was a little juicy outside it, real sticky and, yeah. and and i told everybody on wednesday i said be prepared because tomorrow's going to feel really eerie and those clouds were racing across the sky oh, wow. they're neat. Yeah. oh night is that the that's the morning i got that time lapse yeah it was that was really cool Thanks. I mean, I time lapse a lot, but I end up, you know, just deleting a lot of them. But this one, I had to post. It was amazing. You could see the diffluent flow from. I mean, I thought it was the the lower levels. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of the wind the term. The lower levels was coming from the south. They were coming from the east. They were blowing to the west, and the mid levels were blowing to the northeast. That's such diffluence, and then that. That little cell came over, and then the whole wind flow kind of joined together yep. and moved. And then right after that was over, it just resumed back to that that uh, diffluent flow again. It was fascinating. That's why I love those time lapses. Yeah. It's hard to see if you're not watching that in a time lapse. It's, it's hard to know what's going on. 
from yeah. here. Yeah, you can't really tell. But I have noticed on 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 my iPad if if I go longer, if I record longer than an hour and a half, the the video gets jumpy. So I have to set my alarm for, from an hour, about an hour 10 to an hour 25 and just make sure I've got it there. And then it's a real smooth. I don't know why. Maybe huh. it's a cheap iPad. I, yeah, I don't know. know. It works. Interesting. Um, uh, the other thing, since we got the Southwest floor, this doesn't really affect us much, but I have been watching the GFS and uh, some of the longer range models out in the Atlantic. And we are, uh, we don't see any hurricanes. Nothing's really Nothing's really happening but right now. But people are watching. People are definitely have their eyes down there. Yeah. Uh, they kind of expect something to happen down there this year. Uh, maybe some above average uh, named storms, which they say that all the time. It may not, may or may not verify, but, you know. You never know. You never know. Yeah. That's why we're watching it. Well, and hurricane season officially starts June 1st. June 1st. We're three weeks So we're, we're away. almost there. Yeah. Right now, there's just like a huge high-pressure system out in the middle of the Atlantic, so everything's kind of going around it. But again, you know, we're just watching it kind of get, you know, ocean temperatures right now are about what what we check in the Gulf is the upper 70s, around 80, which is pretty warm. Uh, you said it was a little cooler than it was last year. Well, that's what I had heard. I know I don't have that data. I don't. I don't know for sure what it was la- at this time last year, but this year we're. I mean, we're anywhere between seventy nine and eighty two around there. At at this time of the year, this, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because when those monster hurricanes come up, I mean, the the ocean or Atlantic Ocean was just ripe, ripe for. I mean, warm. So it was the 80s, and you get that plus the little cell, uh, storm cells coming across there. They're going to twist. And I'd be, I'm interested to see where the first name storm would be that would affect the United States. In the past few years, it seems like the very first one always ends up in the Gulf of Mexico and comes up. Yeah. In the Texas, I can't remember the the name storm. Remember Houston last year just got the Harvey. 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 Yeah. Unreal amounts of rain. <laughs> Feet of rain. <laughs> I mean, so rain. somewhere along the Texas Louisiana border, always seems to get hit earlier in the season. To I mean, that's just, so I'm interested in seeing how how that plays out. Yeah. Well, we have a really cool weather school this week. It talks about the atmosphere, and it even said some. You know, I was researching it, and there's stuff I didn't even know, and I had a lot of fun making it. So cool. Let's get onto our Stormdar Weather School. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, Stormed Our Weather School. This week we thought we'd have a little fun and talk about the Earth's atmosphere. Most of the Earth's atmosphere is located about 10 miles up from the surface. Scientists can't agree on exactly where the Earth's atmosphere ends and outer space begins, but it's the consensus that the top is just over 6,000 miles. The atmosphere is divided into layers. Starting at the surface, we have the troposphere, and that extends up to around 10 miles. Most all of the Earth's weather is in this region. Next, is the stratosphere, which extends up to around 31 miles. It's a very stable portion of the atmosphere, and it's easy for many jet aircraft to fly in this region. The mesosphere is above that. 
and it extends up to around 53 miles. When meteors enter the atmosphere, they burn up in this layer. The atmosphere reaches its coldest temperature in the mesosphere, sometimes around 130 degrees below zero. Next is the thermosphere, and this thick layer extends up to around 400 miles from the surface. The air is really thin in this layer, and a small change in energy causes a large change in temperature, and sometimes temperatures can get as hot as 2,700 degrees. And lastly, the exosphere. This is the upper limit of the atmosphere, and it extends from the top of the thermosphere to around 6,200 miles. Now, the ionosphere is a rather thick layer, and it overlaps with the mesosphere and the thermosphere and part of the exosphere. The ionosphere is a layer of electrons and ionized atoms and molecules that range from around 30 miles to around 600 miles in the sky. This layer expands and contracts based on solar activity, and it's so thick that it has to be divided into three subregions region D, E, and F, based on what wavelength of solar radiation is absorbed. The ionosphere forms the inner edge of the magnetosphere, and that's the layer that makes radio communications possible. Another layer often talked about is the ozone layer. It's located in the lower part of the stratosphere and is responsible for absorbing most of the sun's UV radiation. In fact, it absorbs from 97 to 99% of all the UV light, and that's good because otherwise it would damage exposed life forms near the Earth. We measure ozone in parts per million. The ozone layer contains less than 10 parts per million of ozone, while the average concentration in Earth's atmosphere as a whole is roughly 0.3 parts per million. Nitrogen accounts for about 78% of the atmosphere. Oxygen comes in second at 21%, and argon is a little less than 1%. There are several inert gases that make up well less than one-tenth of 1%. Did you know the sky is purple? I know it's hard to believe, but as light enters the atmosphere... Air and water particles absorb and then they re-emit light and scatters the light. And this scattering prefers shorter wavelengths and the most commonly scattered color is violet. We think we see a blue sky rather than a purple sky because our eyes are more sensitive to this blue color. Did you know in the cold, dry Arctic regions, water vapor accounts for less than 1% of the atmosphere? But in the humid tropical regions, water vapor can account for almost 4%. Did you know the International Space Station hangs out around 200 miles above the Earth's surface? Weather satellites are positioned between 520 and 530 miles. And speaking of weather, the top of a giant cumulonimbus cloud or severe thunderstorm cloud can grow to over 12 miles high. And something I thought was interesting, a man named Felix Baumgartner performed a world record jump out of a balloon 
that went as high as 24 miles. You can literally say he was in the stratosphere. So the next time you go outside on a sunny day and look up at the purple, I mean the, the blue sky, think about just how high up our atmosphere reaches. Over 6,000 miles. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. So there you go. That's some good information. Well, I didn't realize. I mean, the one thing that really caught my my attention when I was doing it is the sky is purple. It is. But we don't see purple. It's just the way the light refracts. Our, our eyes are more perceptive to the blue. So we see blue even though it's purple. I've uh, seen some people launch weather balloons from their backyard mm-hmm. with a GoPro camera launch it, and the higher they get, the purpler the sky gets. Now they get almost to the oh what really they would call space. It's not actually space, but it's weightlessness up there before that balloon pops and it slowly drops down to the uh, earth. But it's it's purpler. Very pris- <laughs> it's it's a yeah. very different view than what we have. It's very pristine. A, I wouldn't call it purple. But I wouldn't call it blue, maybe a violet, somewhere violet, in yeah. between. It's really something to see. Kind of like the little the little hue on a rainbow. Yeah. Get that that's violet, kind of purplish, bluish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I got something really fun to tell you. Okay. My mother, love my mother, she told me last week that something really cool happened to her. Okay. She was uh, sitting on her glider, and she said, a wren came and lit on the patio and so she stayed really really still and she watched the wren and that wren came over to her hopped on her shoe and she just stayed really still it hopped up on her leg and looked around and then it flew off and she was like wow that's really cool <laughs> that is cool yeah and if if anybody knows my mother my mother is the is the animal uh Oh, what's the name? Soothsayer? I don't know. The, the the seer. Animals just flock to her. Insects, animals. She will not smack a spider. She's oh, the spider has to live too. But if there's a spider in my house, I'm killing it. <laughs> well, it can live outside. My house too. Yeah. If if it's outside, hey, that's your domain. Inside is right. my domain. <laughs> I've had some wild animals in my yard this past week. I've had Oh, last tell night, me about that. Yes. Last night we had a snake. <laughs> I almost stepped on it barefooted. <laughs> Next to my pool. Uh, wow. I posted it on Facebook. I didn't know what kind it was. It turns out it was a rat snake, and evidently they're good to have around. For a, oh, yeah. For in a garden. You know, I don't have a garden, but I do have, you know, flowers, or I guess they eat insects and mice. I, and... I'm pretty sure he's after a frog that's been really loud. Oh, yeah? A tiny little frog. It'll keep me awake at night. Oh, those things. Yeah. And woodpeckers. Woodpeckers. I have woodpeckers. I have oh. I have deer. I have uh, a fox that I see often. Lots of squirrels. So I got my I got a little wildlife uh, area back there in my backyard. Now. Well, I guarantee if my mother came down here and stood in your backyard, huh. those animals would just come over and just look at her, and she would pet them and stuff. It's just... I have a huge brown bat that about twilight every night 
will come fly right over my pool. And the other night he landed on my garage upside down on the wall next to my pool clock. Just, you know, was there for a while. I mean, now I used to be a, a cave guide down in Marvel cave. We have, we had gray bats, which are pretty much little chicken nuggets with wings. They're tiny. <laughs> yeah. The brown bats are pretty good size. And, and this one is chunky. So I don't know. He's looking for bugs or something, but, uh, I'm ready to get my pool cleaned out. He's probably eating the bugs out of my pool. The pool man comes tomorrow, so I'm excited oh, about that. Well, I don't think my mother would go and pet the bat. I don't. She may not do that. I I used to give. Uh, I used to go down to the cave at Savar City uh, after dark, mm-hmm. and the bats were crazy. And, and well, that's when they wake up, don't they? They, nice. they wake up and they're going to go feed, you know, on mosquitoes around yeah. Savar City, but. Uh, you walk through the thin tunnels and you're going to get bat bat flutter wings all over your face. Oh man. Some of the girls hated that, but I loved it. It was the best. Really? Oh yeah. I got used to it. It was fun. Oh man. Can't talk about bats anymore. Hey, let's do our next segment. Let's do it. It's the weather word of the week. It's the weather word of the week. What is the weather word of the week? <laughs> weather word of the week. That's hard to say. It, it, weather, yeah. Weather word of the week. Yeah. Try to say that three times. Right. Know. Not really, but okay. Today's Stormdar weather word of the week is isobars. I S O B A R S. And the official definition of an isobar is a line of equal or constant pressure on a graph, plot, or map. More accurately, isobars are lines drawn on a map joining places of equal average atmospheric pressure reduced to sea level for a specific period of time. The distribution of isobars is closely related to the magnitude and direction of the wind field and can be used to predict future weather patterns. Interesting. Now, that's the official definition. Right. So when this is what we basically what we weather guys, one of the, one of the things us, us weather guys look at, if you see on a map, especially the Storm Prediction Center has this, the, you, it's a map that shows where the low pressure systems are and lines, circles drawn around that. And those circles are lines of equal pressure or isobars. And what we do, we look at that for two specific things. Uh, first, we look to see how many of them there are, because if there is a lot of isobars close together, clo- well, close together, that uh, that means that the pressure system is lower. And if uh, they're wide apart, it's just a weak little wave coming through. The second thing is the tighter the isobars are together, the faster the wind flow. Yep. That's the cool thing. That and cool. that's when you see a high wind warning or uh, red flag warning, which is wind plus lower humidity plus very dry conditions. Um, that's what everybody's looking at. It's like the when you get a high pressure on one, what like let's say Tennessee, and you get a low pressure in Kansas. Well, the 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 winds will flow from high to low pressure. Low pressure has counterclockwise winds. High pressure has clockwise. No, no, is that that's right? Yeah, high pressure is clockwise. In the northern hemisphere, there, there's too many variables. But the, the big thing to remember is the closer the lines are together, the faster the wind flow. And they're really cool to look at. They're not just something you get from the ice cream, man. Isobar. 
Nope. No, that's true. I used to order those for the from the ice cream man. Isobars? Oh yeah, they're so good. I know. Wow. Well, and bar stands for is like a abbreviation for barometric pressure. You can have isotherms, which are lines of equal Pressure. Temperature. Tem- temperature. Therms. Oh. <laughs> I was, wasn't listening. You, you, so, you're I reading. was reading my notes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we're getting crazy now. So we better wrap this up. You got anything else? Uh, not really. How, this is a long one, wasn't it? I, I think it is. We I like to talk about tornadoes. That's what we do. Oh, yeah. Get us going, man. If you get us in a room and tornadoes are happening, we will never shut up. So mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, the thing to, to really realize, we are in the 1st of May. Lots of big tornadoes around this area have happened that first, second, and third week of May. So just keep it tuned to Stormdar, and we will post anything the Storm Prediction Center says. I will say that the... Uh, uh, the Storm Prediction Center is saying for Wednesday there's a slight risk of severe weather for the St. Louis area. I saw that. Interesting. Yeah. Now, yesterday they were saying there was a slight risk around the s- southeastern, you know, the boot heel of Missouri, but that has since been shifted up. That's why you got to really watch those those hypers who hype. Even that was only a four-day in yeah. advance. People yeah. are hyping seven days in advance. Things change. Things will change. And it, it, it moved up to the north. Day three, they start really kind of getting a good idea of what's going to happen. So. Yeah. I imagine it'll probably be in the same spot when they come out with the day two tomorrow. I would assume. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. We want to? Let's do it. All right. So be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdoor Weather. Like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your newsfeed. You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com. Well, that's it for this edition, so join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast.